Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. I've been going through a little bit of a drama over the course of the last week. I'm just wondering if your life is a bit like a soap opera too sometimes. Do you seem to go through one drama after another? And if that's the case, how's that going for you? It's really tough when you go through a crisis or a drama. Are you managing to keep calm and carry on? I don't know if you remember those prints back in the, the that started coming out sort of in the two, early 2000s. They had these mantras and these slogans like keep calm and carry on, which is great advice and it's a fantastic reminder to have because life's always throwing things at you and it's really good to be able to keep you calm. But when your life seems to be just like a series of constant dramas, keeping your calm is going to be a challenge, even if you've got that sign. So let alone just carrying on when you probably feel like, you know, why is my life so full of drama? Um, but understand that keeping calm is the key to being able to carry on effectively. So my ex-partner, you know, he created a lot of drama for himself and for everyone else, basically, that was in his life, including me. And, you know, even though he created all of this drama, he still had wisdom. And he used to, one of the things he used to say was, the war is within. And he was right because so often we're not in control of those dramas that arise in our lives. So to get through them, the first place to try and make peace is in our minds. For me, it's not all about fighting. So when you hear that the war is within, we don't necessarily have to fight every time. We need to choose our battles. We need to know when we need to fight and when we need to surrender to whatever it is. And to, the aim really is to keep calm, to keep that place of calm and to try and find peace. So the more peace that you experience in your mind, then you are going to have more energy to deal with whatever is happening in your life. So it's, you know, there's always going to be adversities in life. There's no escaping that. We all go through ups and downs. But there's a couple of layers to this too because it's not all about um, the battle within, but it's also, we'll get it, go a little bit deeper in this podcast, in this episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, because when you feel as though everything is happening to you and you feel that there is nothing that you can do about it, not even the way that you're responding to it, um, 
you give away your power and that's not a good place to be. I want you to get your power back again so that you can face the next drama in your life with more confidence and, um, you know, this has all come because of something that's happened to me over the course of the last week. I've had a really stark reminder of, of knowing that it is important to pick your battles because you will be faced with negative thoughts um, at times when you are stretched like a rubber band that is ready to snap. So um, I don't want you to feel as though you can't have happiness or you can't have satisfaction at times in your life when your life seems to be a series of dramas. So I don't want you to let anybody else rob you of your power. You do have power. You will always have power. But it's going to be up to you whether you're going to use your power, whether you're going to hold on to your power or whether you're going to let it go. So we're going to work through some of those things in today's episode. But I want you to know that everyone has a wall within their mind. And we're not taught that this is something that everyone faces. We often learn it by going through a series of hard knocks where doubts and fears take over. Now, if you know about Winnie the Pooh and that beautiful children's classic, then you might know this quote by Christopher Robin who says, you're braver than you believe, you're stronger than you seem and you're smarter than you think. Okay, let's open the door on today's episode. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back any time you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Welcome to another episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. Now, I'll tell you why this topic came to mind for this particular episode. I've had a bit of a challenging time over the past week. It really felt like a drama playing out in my life. And I, life, my life has been, you know, really relatively good, so to speak. There, you know, there's always challenges. It's not as if my life is without challenges. There's mini dramas that crop up and there's always opportunities for me to work on my mindset. But this week has been an absolute doozy because this week it's been a big thing that happened and one of the things that that did is it actually helped to put things into perspective for me. Things that I thought were a struggle before that suddenly weren't a big deal anymore. And it's all relative, right, you know, depending on what's going on in our lives at the time. So we might have a series of mini dramas playing out, but then a big drama comes up and then we realise that those mini dramas were much more manageable than the big drama that we're dealing with. So this thing that happened really put me to the test with keeping my calm, like completely tested me. 
there is uh, just an absolutely massive battle going on in my mind over the course of this last week, and I'm not through the other side of it yet. And I'll just share with you what's been going on. So one of my children went off to school camp last week and, wow, was he looking forward to it. Like he's been looking forward to going to this camp for the last couple of months. He's just been so excited because they were going off to the wilderness and they were going to do real camping with no power, intense sleeping bags, doing all their own food prep, carrying around big, heavy backpacks and um, hiking and canoeing. And he was just so excited and he was just so desperate to go to this camp. But leading up to it, so we got closer and closer to the camp and leading up to it, um, you know, he was really consumed with worry that he might get sick and that that would prevent him from going camp. And lo and behold, you know, COVID is just, you know, spreading like wildfire at the moment. Every other person virtually is catching COVID. And on top of that, there's all these nasty flu viruses. So just in the last few days leading up to going on camp uh, before the weekend, one of his very good friends who sits next to him in class started sneezing, coughing and sort of coughed and sneezed right into his face. And when he got home that night, his friend did a COVID test Lo and behold, tested positive, he had COVID. So when my son found out about this, he was just so convinced that he had COVID and that that was going to stop him from going to camp. So he was really, really upset. And so, you know, I, I just said, look, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have COVID let's just do a rat test, which we did and came back negative and we tested each day. So we tested the Saturday, we tested the Sunday and we tested Monday morning before he left. Each time we tested, came back with a negative result. So it was looking really good, like he was going to be able to go off to camp and he would be able to see the week out and have this amazing experience that he had been looking forward to for such a long time. So off he went. Off he went. He was completely prepared. He had, you know, a new sleeping bag. He had the right hiking boots. He had a great, you know, all-weather jacket. He, he had everything that he could possibly need to have a successful trip away for the week. But we're not in control of everything. And um, for some reason, the school has chosen to take the kids off on a camp that was about five hours' drive away from where we live. So it wasn't just around the corner or it wasn't, say, an hour or two hours away, you know, within easy reach for parents. It was a long drive for parents to be able to connect with their children if they had a need to. So every, you know, we got through day one and we got through the Monday 
and there was no call or anything from anyone from the school. We got through the Tuesday, but you know, like, and I was really the whole time trying just to carry on with everything that I needed to do. And I tried very hard to just let go and surrender what was not in my control. And what was not in my control was what was going to happen to my son while my son was on camp. So I had to just let go of any fears of him going canoeing and, you know, um, I had to let go of any fears that he might, you know, fall and get hurt and I had to let go of worries that he might get sick. So everything was looking good. And then day three, and it was, you know, almost three o'clock in the afternoon and I got a call from the head teacher who was away on camp with the kids and she said, now, I don't want to alarm you, but your son has had asthma and my son is an asthmatic and um, and he's been using his Ventolin a lot to try and get on top of the asthma. When I heard that um, he hadn't got on top of his cough, I told the teacher I would come and get him because if he's got a persistent cough, it's a real um, red flag for me that things are not good. And I had no idea of how many puffs of Ventolin he had had during the day, but I was just getting this message that he wasn't able to shake it and that was very concerning. So I made a decision that I would come and get him and the teacher was very, very comfortable with that um, and it was the right decision to make. So that was that. I got off the, you know, we agreed, yes, I'm coming. The teacher, you know, gave me some directions that were not very clear um, and that may also have had to do with my, you know, my state of being concerned that I wasn't able to take it in enough about what um, she was trying to tell me and giving me directions of where to come and collect my son from. So within 15 minutes, I've, you know, thrown a sleeping bag and uh, some toiletries into a bag and I was in my car and en route to pick up my son. I didn't, so I got away about 3 p.m. and, you know, I'd set Google Maps to take me to the town where um, I knew that they were camping and, um, and Google Maps just took me, like, the first bit it was okay because I was still in familiar you know territory but then suddenly I was taken onto these you know back roads in between these major highways and these back roads had this road work going on where there were you know wide dirt shoulders on each side of the bitumen that were unsealed and that meant that if I had to go off onto the shoulder of the road that the car was very sort of slip slidey and it just didn't feel safe. So, um, you know, added to that, you know, so I was on unfamiliar back roads that weren't very safe and added to that there was rain and, you know, before I knew it because we're heading into winter here, um, it was getting dark so I only had you know maybe two and a half hours of light as I was driving and after that I was driving in dark 
down unknown roads to an unknown place that I had never been before and I was, as, as we all are these days, completely reliant on Google Maps to get me to where I needed to go. So um, so I told you I didn't even know where exactly where I was supposed to go when I got to the town where my son was. But on top of that, for the last probably two hours of the drive, I didn't have any phone reception. And that meant that I was out in the middle of nowhere with hardly another car on the road going somewhere I'd never been before in the dark and it was raining and I was unable to contact the teacher who called me and she couldn't get through to me. So that was probably my biggest concern was, oh, my goodness, if anything has happened, you know, where things have gotten worse, I, you know, won't know about it because she can't get through to me. I won't know that I should be going somewhere else redirected to a hospital or anything. So I just, I had to let go of my concerns. I had to let go of the things that weren't in my control. So I was actually handling things really well at the moment because I had these, you know, like concerns creeping in and they could have really, you know, heightened my anxiety and um, and I could have been in a really worried, messy state as I was trying to do this difficult drive. But I knew that I needed to keep my calm. So I consciously, I made this conscious decision to surrender and I trusted, I just trusted that I would find my son and that was that I just had to do that for my own sanity and I had to let go of any outcomes with how he was. I had to just trust that eventually I would find him. I didn't know how long it was going to take, but I had to trust that I was going to find him. And I know that the reason that I was able to cope so well at that stage is because leading up to this drama, I was really well rested. So um, as somebody who suffers from insomnia sometimes, um, it's insomnia is not fun. And if anyone listening suffers from insomnia, you'll know how groggy you feel and how you're just not functioning on all cylinders when you haven't had a proper night's rest because you haven't been able to get to sleep. So you might still be able to function, you might still be able to push yourself through all your activities that you need to do, but you're not going to be all there and you're not going to be, um, you're not going to be able to give, you know, what you would normally be able to give had you had proper rest and you're not going to be able to respond to things the same way as if you had had proper rest. So the other thing is that I suppose when, you know, we often respond well to a crisis when it initially happens, that's when the adrenaline kicks in and we're given that burst of energy that we need to meet that crisis with as much um, wherewithal as we can and, you know, get ready to jump into action. That's the way that we're built with that fight, flight, freeze response that the adrenaline will kick in and it'll give us that energy that we need to get through it. But 
more often than not with a crisis, it's not over, over, you know, the moment that you confront it. It'll take time to get it under control and then it'll take time to manage it and perhaps to repair and to rebuild and it's a whole process. So what happens after that is, you know, is the time that you need to have those energy reserves but they won't be there in the same way as that initial, you know, burst of energy that you get when the adrenaline's kicking in. So it's the tip of the iceberg, you know, when the adrenals kick in and we've got that burst of energy. You've just got to also consider what happens next because you, you don't know how it's going to play out. You have to wait and see how it is going to play out. And, you know, I was right that my, my strong mindset to have faith that I would find my son, it proved to be right. So when I got to the town that he was in, Google Maps led me off the road and it's like, we're here and I'm like, where are we? I have no idea. The only thing that I could see was the local pub or the local bar, which had been one of the few things that would have been open in that tiny town at that time of night because by this time, by the time I'd gotten there, it was about 8.30 and there was a bunch of locals that were standing outside having a smoke. So I stopped my car and I got out and I approached them and I asked them if anyone knew of a camp by the name I had heard the school refer to the camp that my son was on um, by and they all looked at me as, you know, as if I was an alien or something and they shook their heads and they said, nah, we haven't heard of it. And I was like, great, okay. Then one of them um, piped up and said, do you mean can't something else? <laughs> and... I said, no, I don't think so. But it's all they could think of to send me to and so they gave me directions to this other camp. And not knowing what else to do, I jumped in the car and I followed their directions and as I was travelling down the road, they sent me to it, I kept thinking, hmm, maybe this isn't the way. But I, I kept pressing on and I kept thinking, oh, maybe this isn't the way. But I kept going. And eventually I came to the sign where the camp that they were talking about was. So I drove into the driveway, drove around the track and I found the manager's building it was completely black. There was not a single light on. But I still stopped the car, got out of the car, looked for a bell to ring to, and then thankfully there was an intercom and somebody answered, which was fantastic. So when I inquired about the camp that my son's school was on, she said that they weren't staying there at her camp, but maybe, maybe they might be across the road at the caravan park. So 
that was my next lead. So off I went to the caravan park and again I went to the manager's building and hooray, my son's school, they had two cabins booked in this caravan park. And the lady who helped me, she didn't know exactly which one my son would be in. There were a group of four possible cabins that he might be in. So she gave me directions and I found the group of four cabins. And I pulled up outside one of them and, you know, I just went straight to the window of that cabin and there was my son and I couldn't have been happier. I, you know, I knew it wasn't pure coincidence. I was like, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, because I'd been led straight to him. I didn't, I wasn't led to another cabin. I was led to that cabin. And I do believe that I had the confidence, if I had the confidence, if I had the faith, that I would find him, and I did. So he was really unwell when I got there. He'd taken way too much Ventolin that day, and he was running a high fever. He had a really, really nasty cough, and he was so glad to see me, and I was just so glad to see him. So... Um, yeah, we need to banish self-doubt. We need to surrender to what is not in our control. We need to remind ourselves that giving in to worry, when we're facing uncertainty, it takes so much energy and it clouds our thinking. So I'm not quite done with my story, uh, but, you know, my son, he was so relieved to see me. He because he was feeling so unwell, he just wanted to go home. But we couldn't go home that night. I couldn't do a five-hour drive back without trying to get some rest and I just needed to monitor my son and just assess and see how he was doing before I made any next decisions about what to do. So we were very fortunate to be able to have that cabin for the night and um, and so I was able to then, you know, take stock of what had happened. And he had about 40 or more puffs of Ventolin in a day, which is way more than what he should have in the space of a day. And his heart was beating a million miles an hour when I got there. So he thought that he was doing the right thing by taking Ventolin that often to try and stop the persistent cough that he had. There were all sorts of warning signs that people have, um, or there are all sorts of warning signs that people have when they get asthma that um, people might get a wheeze and that's a very clear sign that they've got asthma. But some people, like my son, might not get the wheeze and their triggers might be a persistent need to clear their throat and having a dry cough that you can't shake. So I went, you know, started to just take stock and one of the first things I did is I um, I didn't have a thermometer. I couldn't get an accurate reading of his temperature, but I saw his teacher and his teacher had some rat tests. So I said, look, I think it might be COVID. 
one of his friends had COVID just before camp and coughed all over him. Good chance he's got it. So, um, and he, you know, he was running a fever, which is another COVID symptom. And so, and I know that chest pain and all of that sort of stuff also goes into the whole COVID basket. So I did the rat test, came back negative. And I reported that back to the teacher. So he had picked up a cold or flu virus. And like I said, you know, if it's not COVID, it's a cold or flu um, virus that's going around at the moment. It's just there are so many people getting sick and getting quite seriously sick, not just from COVID, but from very bad strains of other viruses, which have some really significant respiratory, you know, effects. And that's what was happening to my son. So that night, I only got a few hours sleep because I was monitoring my son through the night and he, he woke many times during the night, you know, with these coughing attacks. So we got through the night and one of the things that I did have on me was an oximeter, so that was a really helpful, useful tool. And anyone who, you know, I think it's one of those things these days which everybody should have one in their home when they get a respiratory virus because it helps to establish your blood oxygen levels and that is an indicator of when things are getting serious. So I'm glad that I had that because I was able to test him very regularly through the night to make sure that his um, blood oxygen levels were okay. So the next day I set off home. Um, I was really running on low reserves of energy because I hadn't gotten nearly enough sleep the night before. So we managed to get through that day okay. It was a very long drive, five hours again, plus stopping, you know, um, so it was about six hours in total. And when we got back home, I... It wasn't as if I could walk in the door and just plonk down and go, phew, all right, glad we got through that and just allow myself to sort of calm and um, and re-energise. I didn't have an opportunity to do that. I had to, uh, you know, unload the car. Um, I needed to, I think I'd stopped off at the shops on top of, you know, to make sure that we had things that we needed when we got back home. And so I had to unload the shopping. I had to sort through all the camp gear. And on top of that, like it was almost 4 p.m. by the time I got home. And so before I knew it, it was time to start getting dinner ready for the family. And um, not that it's, you know, my other children's fault in any way, but but they were kind of kicking back, relaxing after being at school all day and watching TV. Meanwhile, mum's running around, you know, like a chook, chook with her head cut off, going one direction to another direction, just feeling completely overstretched and tired. And I snapped. So a crisis will often stretch us so that all of this stuff that I've been, you know, like the impacts of um, the crisis, they really have a strong impact on you and on, you know, your coping ability or, you know, your ability to cope. And 
um, and I snapped. So it's a really good thing to remember that a crisis will often stretch us to the point where we do feel like a rubber band that is being stretched and stretched and stretched until it can't stretch anymore because if you keep stretching it, it is going to snap, it is going to break. So that's what happens to us when we're under a lot of stress that comes from being in a crisis. So, and and I didn't see it coming. There really wasn't much warning that it was coming. I, I knew that I was just feeling exhausted and I started feeling resentful. And that's a really good indicator that um, you're not in a good place when you start feeling resentful towards others. And I was feeling I was feeling resentful without having actually stopped long enough to tell my older children, "Hey, um, can you you know stop watching that for now and just give me a bit of a hand? I'm you know I'm feeling overwhelmed. I've got a, a lot that I've got to get done. A lot of extra stuff to look after um, my child who was unwell." So, um, yeah, so that I just keep that in mind when you're feeling, uh, when those feelings of resentment start creeping in, that's a really good sign that it's time to pause and, um, and if, there's, if there's people around you that you can tap into for support, that's time for you to actually say, hey, can I get a bit of a hand with this, that, or the other? It's completely reasonable to want support when you're going through a crisis, but people often can't see that you need support. So it's something that really has to be asked. And it's not always easy because you're in doing mode for you to say, right, I need to stop doing for a minute and I need to stop and I need to ask for some help so um, yeah just remember that it because you may have you know may have people who can help you and support you in some way and you might be feeling resentful because you're like can't you see I'm struggling here um, you know I can really do with a hand but People don't get those telepathic messages and, and you might feel like, hey, I'm a really empathetic, compassionate person. I can, I can usually see when somebody needs support and I just automatically offer that help and you expect others to be like you are. It's, you, you will get disappointed because not everybody's built that way. Not everybody um, is in tune enough to see that you need support or to be able to know um, to know automatically what kind of support you might need that's going to be the most effective for you in that moment. So there's one thing with women in, gen in general, they just soldier on and they get the job done. They often don't ask for help because they're just so capable you know, but um, but feelings of resentment do kick in when, you know, other people are also capable. Um, so 
support is appreciated and support is needed, but we need to be able to ask for it. So we're very good at putting um, at putting others' needs ahead of our own. And when you have a sick child, there's no option than to put your child's needs as the top priority. So this meltdown that I had after returning home was, wasn't the only battle I had to face. If it was, that would be absolutely fantastic, but it is almost a week since I picked up my son from camp and I have only had one decent night's sleep in all that time. So fighting the effects of sleep deprivation is a really hard thing to do. I couldn't surrender and just take myself off to bed to catch up on rest. The reason I was sleep deprived, you know, some of it was because I it was I just needed to be there to care for my son. But then there's also been the last couple of nights where, you know, my son has been on the cusp of getting better and you know, I haven't had to get up and care for him during the night, but that my mind is still, you know, even if I'm not consciously aware of it, I'm still preoccupied with that maybe I need to get up and help him. So that then gets in the way of me being able to switch off and then insomnia kicks in for me. So it's been a, a bit of a roller coaster of a week with um, sleep deprivation and it is really really hard fighting the effects of sleep deprivation and my heart just goes out to mothers with children with complex chronic health needs because they have to battle exhaustion a lot of the time and it's the same for mums with young children I remember what it was like when all of my children were young and I wasn't um, one of those lucky mums that had good sleepers my children there were lots of you know disruptions going on and you know more than likely had to do with the instabilities that were in their lives um, with the situation with my ex-partner their dad so, um, so yeah, I went through a number of years <laughs> where I was very sleep deprived and it's a really horrible place to be. It really plays havoc. So exhaustion's a real problem and the effects can be devastating. I remember one of the mornings when just recently when I've been going through this with my son, where I had next to no sleep and I was fried. I was so tired that every time my husband spoke to me, it didn't matter what he was talking about, but because I couldn't focus on listening to him and retaining whatever it was that I needed to do or that I was in the middle of doing and I just would go blank. So... um. It would be something really basic, like I was telling myself, okay, now I've got to go and get myself some orange juice. And my, son, my husband would say something to me and I'd stand there and look at him and 
just shrug and think, okay, I know I need to get something. What was it? It was really bad and that was all because of the level of tiredness that I was experiencing. And I'm not one of those people who's a great day napper. And um, so, you know, my husband was saying, why don't you just have a nap during the day? And I'm, I'm like, okay, I can't, I'll try. But the next best thing, what I did is um, after I had gotten the um, loads of washing out of the way for the week and done the, you know, just basic essential weekly chores, I plonked down on the couch and I watched a movie with my son. <laughs> we watched Forrest Gump and that's one of my all-time favourites. Of course, I cried, I cried, I cried. I can't not cry when I watch that movie because it just tugs at your heartstrings. Not everyone in my family likes this movie, but my son and I love it. So it was a great opportunity to give us some bonding time as well as giving me some much-needed rest. I seriously lay down on the couch, had a blankie over me, and um, if I felt like closing my eyes for a minute, I closed my eyes. I didn't sleep, but I rested, and it was the next best thing. So... Yeah, if you're like me, you can't do the napping, then, you know, can you stop and rest? Can you stop and do a guided meditation? Can you do a breathing exercise? There's things that like little stopgap measures that we can take to help to combat some of that exhaustion. So thankfully, I think that my son's through the worst of this virus now. He's not completely out of the woods with it yet but um he's you know he still does have a shocking cough and now my daughter started coughing so there may be more ahead with this um to come and I know I'm not guaranteed of um everything being rosy and everybody being well at the moment but I'm doing all that I can to try and help boost everyone's immune system um, by <laughs> they're, they're like, Mom, more soup. Oh, <laughs> rolling their eyes at me. So I made chicken soup. I've made um, minestrone soup. I don't know if you've got a slow cooker. I love my slow cooker. Absolutely love it. It's so easy to throw together a soup and whack it all in there in the morning and then you can walk away. Everything's got loads of garlic in it and trying to kill those viruses. And, um, yeah, and I've got everyone having extra, you know, vitamin C powder and vitamin D tablets and zinc when they've got the cold and flu symptoms. So, yeah, so I'm doing lots to try and support us through this time where there's so many nasty bugs going around. So, and, you know, as I am sitting here and I am prattling on, um, you can probably tell I am still sleep-deprived. I have not caught up on my rest now. Um, and being sleep-deprived as I am right now, it 
would have been quite easy for me to opt out of doing a an episode this week. Um, I think I'm up to episode 99, which is amazing. Uh, one off a hundred, and um, I feel like you know celebrating this accomplishment of putting together, you know, very close to 100 episodes of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. Um, it's, I know that staying consistent is, you know, one of those muscles that you need to develop in life because if we go by our feelings and say, mm, I don't really feel like doing that this week, then I wouldn't be up to episode 99 now because there's been many weeks leading up to this week where other things have happened in life and it has been a challenge to get the podcast episode together. So one of the things that I remind myself of is that I have a choice. So because when you've been a victim of an abusive relationship, that's a place where you have come from of feeling as though you have no choice because somebody else has done their very best to try and take choice away from you. So this is why working on your mindset is so important because that's when you get a handle on that and you know, you know, you know, you know that you have choices in your head, that is a place of power that nobody else can take that away from you. So it's a really important place to do your healing work. And I know that when something like this comes along where I've got a crisis or a drama that comes along, um, it gives me this, you say, you know, like what good can come of this, but there's always opportunities to find good in everything, okay? And if you set your mind to that, it's, you're going to feel so much better about life when you go, I don't know what good is going to come out of this, but I expect that some good is going to come out of every, you know, good, bad situation in my life. I know that something good is going to come from it. One of the good things that's come from this crisis that I've gone through over this last week is that it has given me a renewed empathy for others who are going through crises in their lives. So that's really important. If you know, if we don't experience things, then how can we offer support to others? How can we show compassion to others? How can we really care for others when we haven't felt what it is to suffer? So I chose to share my experience with you to let you know that this gave me the stark reminder of how important it is to recognise the battles that will be going on in your mind when you're under stress. So when you're going through a crisis, it's easy to think things like, how unfair is that? Whatever it is that thing that you're facing is. 
or you might, you know, think so much of the time bad things don't happen to us because um, you might think that I don't deserve this, but so much of the time bad things do happen to people who don't deserve that. Bad stuff just happens. So um, if you haven't seen Forrest Gump, check it out. In Forrest Gump, there's a scene where he runs through dog poop, okay, and there's a guy coming alongside him who creates T-shirts and in that moment, you know, he's, he turns to Forrest for some wisdom hoping that he's going to get the next, you know, like best slogan for his T-shirt. And, you know, he said, did you just stand in dog shit? And Forrest says, it happens. And the guy says, what, shit happens? And that was, you know, like how in Forrest Gump, how they relate that that famous slogan came about. And um, it does. It just does. It doesn't matter. You don't, life is not picture perfect. Shit does happen. So if we let our thinking go to why is this happening to me or focus on thinking that this is so unfair that this is happening to me, then what that's going to do is it's going to lead you to feeling like a victim. You're going to have feelings of resentment, feelings of frustration, feelings of powerlessness that won't do you or your situation any good. It's just going to bring you down. When we let our mind go there and stay there, we give away our power. I don't know if you noticed when I said that, I said when we let our mind go there and then stay there, we give our way away our power. We won't always be able to stop our mind from going to that place. It'll happen. Our mind will go there, but we don't have to stay there. So when you're going through a crisis or a tough time that is stretching you like a rubber band that is ready to snap, your mind will go to thinking things like, oh, this isn't fair and why is this happening to me and other really negative, unhelpful stuff. Then this is the time to go to battle or to surrender to your situation. Have a think about it, whatever it is that is going to bring you some peace. If you need to stand up and fight, you need to stand up and fight. If you need to, if you understand that this is beyond your control and you need to make peace, then do that. Surrender, okay? If you're anything like me, your default when you're in crisis mode might be to go into superwoman mode, put on your cape and off you go. You know, that feeling like I can do everything and I can just keep going and going and going and I can just keep being strong for everyone even when I have no time to rest or top up my reserves. But you can't serve anyone. I can't serve anyone to my full potential when I'm serving from an empty cup or when you're serving from an empty cup. So we need 
to make peace. We either need to fight the fight and, you know, regain that position of power or we need to be able to surrender to find that place of peace to again stand in our power to keep giving all we can to life. So you might have, uh, now when I was talking about the layers in the intro, you might have a tendency to shift from victim mode into doing mode. So the first mode, victim mode, is where things are happening to you. Then doing mode is where things are happening um, by you. You're going, you're doing, you're taking action, you're do, 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 go, 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 go. Um, and you just go into automatic pilot and, like I said, you just go, 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 go. You're, you know, like you're just in superwoman mode. But when you stay here, there's a part of you that is screaming, this is all too much, and, and then you find you have just got this short fuse because you're ready to set and you feel like, you know, a boiling kettle with its lid that is just ready to blow because it's just bubbling, 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 and there's nothing left but for the lid to blow off the top. So, you know, that feeling of I can't take much more of this before I'm going to explode, that's the type of thing that I'm talking about. So by me is a really commendable place to be because um, you're not giving away all your power, you're being proactive, you're taking responsibility, you're taking action. But when you're doing everything in your own steam and you're not taking the time you need to top up your reserves, you end up with another battle going on in your mind. That's the battle that says, I can't take much more of this and you become very defensive and reactive and probably very resentful. So what's the answer? Again, it's all about awareness. So when you find yourself in doing mode and you start feeling those negative thoughts coming in, acknowledge them and heed the warning signs. So listen to the warning signs, you know, that something needs to shift in the way that you are thinking because you have chosen to let go of any of your own needs to power through regardless of how much energy you probably don't have in reserve anymore at that time. So I know there's been what I'm going to say next is stuff that I have thought and stuff that I have said. So can I hear you saying or thinking that that just isn't possible for me? Because you've got no idea how everything will just fall apart if I stop even just for five minutes. I know that feeling. I have lived that feeling. And it's a lie. And when you have that coming up, you need to know it's a lie because you are going to have more to give when you are able to replenish your reserves. So do you need support? You know, it, are you able to tap into support? So if you've got complex needs going on, what support might there be out there for you? 
to give you those windows of time? Are you able to take out five minutes for meditation to do a breathing exercise? So I've been doing this breathing exercise recently by this guy called Wim Hof and um, and it's circular breathing and it honestly takes no more than about five minutes to do this cycle of breathing in which you're doing this circle breathing, I think that's called, and then um, after about 30 repetitions you stop and you um, hold your breath for 30 seconds and then you um, then you get back into the second cycle and then you hold your breath for a minute. And this is this exercise is like training that um, deep sea divers do to be able to, and, you know, divers will do to help them with their lung capacity and their breathing. So it's actually um, there's a few different really good reasons uh, to do these types of breathing exercises and one is boosting your immune system. When you um, breathe in through your nose, you're actually um, setting off and I can't think because I am sleep deprived, so just keep that in mind, okay, that there is something that gets triggered that is actually working as like a natural antibiotic going down with your respiratory system and into your lungs. So it's really good for your immune system. And these days we really need to tap into whatever we can to strengthen our immune systems and stay in the best possible health. But there are other great benefits to it because what it does is it really, doing that concentrated breathing exercise will be the equivalent of having like an hour's nap because you're, you're actually re-oxygenating your body and you're revitalising in that time that you're doing this type of exercise. So if you don't have an hour for a nap, can you find five minutes to do a breathing exercise? So, um, yeah, I'm, we often think that it's impossible because we've got this idea that it has to be something that is inaccessible for us. But try and find something that is something that you can actually do. So set yourself up to win. Now, you know that I'm a spiritual person. And that means I believe that we're all spiritual beings. I believe that there's another part of us, a part that isn't the body, a part that isn't the mind, but there is a part that is our soul. And I believe that the soul is eternal. So when you believe in God or the universe or something greater than what your physical eye can see, then this allows energy to come to you from another source so that things can happen through you. So you're not in that by you mode. You're not in the it's happening to me or it's happening by me, but you can go to that other level, which is allowing it to happen through you. And that means that you you're not using your energy so much during those times. So that's where faith comes in. Remember what I told you about how I had the faith that somehow I was going to find my son. I believed that and I didn't force it to happen. I allowed myself 
to surrender and be supported. So allowing this to happen in my life is something that I'm forever getting opportunities to put into practice. And some days I get it, like that day when I went to get my son, I really got it that day. I really understood that what I needed to do to have a good outcome that day was I needed to surrender because there were so many uncertainties, you know, that lay ahead of me on that drive. I just needed to trust that I was going to find my son. So, but that doesn't mean that the next day I got, I had that all together again. I went back into buy me mode the next day. So, as I said, it starts with awareness, okay? So, um, I forget sometimes and I end up losing the battles that are going on in my head. So, you know, sometimes I let go of my power because I stay in that place of feeling like something that's happened is unfair or I go into doing mode and I completely exhaust myself. So the truth of it is that what we believe, we receive. So when I believe that I would find my son, I found him. And when I believe that I had to do everything in my own strength, I received the effects of that. So I understand that the fears that come from uncertain circumstances that you might be facing may be making you want hard evidence that things are going to be okay. I totally get that. Because when you're dealing with that level of uncertainty, that level of fear, that level of suffering in your life, you crave certainty. You crave that's where you with, with certainty, that's where you find security. I get that. I totally get that. As a mum, when my children were little, when they were ill or when they fell over and they hurt themselves and they'd be crying and crying and I'd take them in my arms and I'd rock them and I'd say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Did I know that it was going to be okay? No, I didn't. But putting that out there, that statement, it's okay, and I put that statement out in faith. It not only helped my children to just be able to be comforted by that in that time of distress and uncertainty that they were going through, but it helped me as well. So please don't underestimate the power that you have because you have immense power. You have the power of your words. You have the power of your thoughts. And you have the power of your actions. So when you keep your words, your thoughts and your actions focused on positive outcomes, you have a much better chance of finding moments of peace and joy, no matter what the outcome will be, no matter what 
is going on around you. So I hope that this message today has been helpful to you in some way because that's it for today. And now it's your turn. It's your turn to guard your thoughts and to be ready to either go into battle or surrender with the aim of negotiating peace in your life. And this peace that you strive for, this peace holds the power for you to draw strength from no matter what adversities, challenges or suffering you might be experiencing in your life. Until next time, stay well and stay safe. Sandy. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light, shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side who share their stories and insights as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen 
and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.